that's where the ego comes into play because I've got guys, men and women, who say, oh, yeah, I've traveled a lot and I'm well-heeled as a traveler. Okay, well, can't you learn something new? Yeah, I'll listen. Okay, because those people aren't going to apply anything. Uh, it's like the guy that speeds past you on an icy road and then a couple miles down the road you come around the corner and he's flipped upside down on the side of the road. Yeah. You know, uh, ego is what is going to get you hurt and or your family. You've got to humble yourself and say, what can I learn? Hi, and welcome to the 1CA Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. We have a special guest, Mr. Dale Yeager, who is a forensic profiler and CEO of Serif, the problem-solving company. Dale's been working with clients for, I think it's about over 20, 25 years now. Um, your company, Serif, focuses on specialized consulting and training in the spaces of legal liability and security. And the firms that you deal with tend to be in education, legal, business, law enforcement, and government. And the tie for today is discussing tips that you and the company could provide regarding travel safety. And since this audience is civil affairs and national security, we want to talk about tips that you may have for civil affairs folks who, if they are operating or if they're government employees traveling abroad, how they can reduce their footprint, how they can you know, the right way, how they can try to reduce their profile and as a target. So um, we want to welcome Mr. Dale Yeager to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, John. How are you doing? Thank doing, you for having me. Doing very well. You know, we've known each other for a couple of years now and um, really enjoyed hearing everything that Seraph has been doing over the last uh, several decades. Could you tell people about the history of the company briefly? Well, back in uh, the mid-90s, I have to go back further. In the early 90s, there was a program that I had done training in uh, in the late 80s and early 90s down in Washington, D.C., and the program was uh, was shut down. And I ended up through a, a very close family friend uh, meeting Sam Sullivan. And for those of you who don't know, if you've ever watched the History Channel shows on the Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy's uh, Secret Service detail, this was the senior... Secret Service agent, and um, he was in charge of bringing Kennedy's body back after the assassination in Dallas, and um, later went on to be in charge of Lyndon Johnson, and he's, he's a piece of history in, uh, in Secret Service. But uh, I met Sam. He had been retired from Secret Service. He had done his 20 years, and he was working for U.S. Healthcare, and I explained to him, you know, what training I had had and what I wanted to do, and he said, well, I think we should start a company. And I was kind of shocked because this was the first time I'd ever met him. So in the mid-90s, we started Serif. And our primary focus at the time was two things, uh, which was law enforcement training and also training for schools. And um, one thing led to another. And by 1999, we had a board of directors. We became a C-Corp, uh, an actual corporation. And we just celebrated our 20-year anniversary. You know, we're, we're proud of what we've accomplished uh, in the four divisions that we have. And uh, it's, uh, it's been one interesting ride. So 
That's great. Congratulations in 20 years. Thank you. Thank you. So you company, you and the company put out a lot of travel tips. You have uh, an amazing Twitter feed. You have blog posts that you put up. And some of the content focuses on travel safety. What are the questions that your clients bring to you regarding travel safety? And they're probably connected to what we want to talk about for civil affairs. Several, yeah, several years ago, I decided to change our Twitter account, Seraph One, the number one, to uh, be 90% travel safety. And the reason why is because it's a very, uh, I'm very passionate about that subject because it really does hurt people when they don't understand how to safely travel around the world. And that's whether it's a high school student on a school trip or a professional, like the people we're talking to today. It's a complex issue. It's not simple. And what I decided to do was uh, take what we've been doing for 20 years in developing travel safety plans and doing training and apply that to a Twitter feed, you know, just no cost, just letting people know, here's what's going on. Here are the diseases that have broken out in this region. Here's uh, weather issues. Here's fighting, conflict, civil war, whatever it is, anything that could affect them. It's, It's also shocking to me how many people, educated professional people, uh, don't really know what's going on in the world. So let, if I may, let me give you an example, okay? Yeah. So the number one country for the past 20 years, and believe me, this is well documented, for sexual assault of females from birth to old age uh, per capita is Australia. Okay. They're number one. They have a huge problem with sex assault over there. And when you tell people that, they're like, there's no way. Because everybody has this fantasy, well, before I die in my bucket list, I want to go to Australia. Okay. Well, I strongly urge you to go with a tour uh, for your own safety, especially as a female. They have a lot of problems there. Number two, and literally right behind them, I mean, I I think they're separated, uh, the recent data by about 1% is Japan. In fact, uh, one of the things that I teach and the kind of cases I work on uh, is sex crimes. And we study Japanese culture in forensics to study sex crimes. This is a country that only recently passed a federal law to ban child pornography. Oh, wow. They have no age of consent. It's a really pretty bad place when it comes to crime. Plus, they lie about their crime statistics all the time. And then right behind that is Canada for sex assault. And people think, Canada? Well, let's look at Canada's data. So when you travel to Canada and you're a female, you are six to eight times, depending where you are, six to eight times more likely to be assaulted there than in the United States as a female. Okay. Uh, They have twice as much juvenile crime as we do and one-third our population. They lead North America. The other crime that's twice that of the United States is arson. I work for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and those of you listening know that's they're the Secret Service, the FBI, they're the Border Patrol, they're everything up there. And they they know this information, but this is not helping the tourism trade, so it's it's suppressed. Canada is dangerous. I actually did a video uh, piece about that years ago, and when you travel to Canada, you have to be careful. So. Even professionals, educated professionals, don't know all the facts. 
Okay. And uh, I like educating people, whether they follow it or not. That's their business. But I do like, you know, kind of shocking them into the reality that, yeah, there are safe places to travel in the world. And because um, people ask that a lot, by the way, you ask about questions. That's the number one question it is, well, where can I tra- travel safely? And I usually send them a list of about 40 names of places. And they go, wow, 40 countries? I go, yeah. 40 places you can travel safely, but you, you have to be very careful. And that can change at any moment, frankly, Yeah, based on factors. So. And so how does it start? For example, if you're in the military, um, if you have a security clearance, you need to, whether it's personal or professional travel, you have to get a clearance uh, a briefing with the intel person. Let's go to the S2, for example, and say, hey, I'm going to travel, take a vacation to go to Costa Rica or Canada or got some work, I'm going to go to this country, then you have to get a brief and they have to say, okay, yeah, it's secure enough for you to go. Or when you go, you need to keep these things in mind. When clients come to you, where do you start in that conversation about what's, well, well which country do you we, want to go to, but how do you prepare for it? Well, forget the, we don't start with what country they're going to. We start with the fundamentals. So here are the fundamentals uh, because we have active duty military personnel intelligence officers, you know, it, it's a it's a wide mix, plus executives. So the first issue is, number one, what are your personal issues? And when I say personal issues, I'm primarily talking about medical issues. So you and your party, do you have a special needs child that's going with you? Do you have any medical issues that require medication or special uh, things, like, for example, an odd blood type? First thing is your personal body. Start from your body out when you're travel planning. What what do you what does your body need? What does the person traveling with you need? Everybody in your party, what are their medical issues? That's number one. What if there's an emergency, you need to be near high quality medical facilities for certain things. So you need to plan that first. Start with your own body. For example, you mentioned Costa Rica. Costa Rica has uh, American-level medical down there. It's probably some of the best uh, medical that you're you're going to get in uh, in South America, or South and Central America. So, in fact, they get their doctors, their eye doctors from Will's Eye in Philadelphia. So, uh, oh, wow. they they have high-quality medical down there because we have a very tight relationship with them, which I don't have time to get into. The second thing on medical is dental issues. So, you know, you, if you have a dental problem, you know, if you have dental issues, that can be a nightmare when you're traveling to a foreign country because you're going to have to use, uh, in some cases, the, the dental uh, surgeons in that area that you're going to and God help you uh, because we have found that medical personnel come in two types, good and bad. There's nothing in the middle. And that's true, actually, in the United States for the most part, too. So you have to start with your body and say, what does my body need? Does anybody in my party have mobility issues? Because there is a certain expectation that people have being professionals in America that aren't going to be a part of some countries. Yeah, newsflash, most countries are not ADA compliant yeah. or care about that. Correct. Right. So that that's number one is your, your medical issues, your body, 
and all the people traveling with you. Next thing is, what are you going to wear? So there's a concept called the everyman. The everyman is uh, preppers do this, uh, people that are waiting for the zombie apocalypse. So how do you dress like an everyman? Anybody that's an intelligence officer has learned how to do this. It's basically wearing non-descriptive clothing that blends into the environment uh, so you don't stand out. For example, 100 years ago, when American troops were in uh, the Middle East, they, American men generally didn't wear beards. Uh, they wore a mustache, but not a beard. Um, certainly, as we got into the 20th century, all shaving was, you know, shaving as an officer especially was, was a key element. The problem is, is that uh, it became very clear that if you're working in the Middle East and you're a special operator, generally it's good to have a beard so you don't stand out from everyone else. So that's a form of clothing or personal camouflage. So the question is, wherever you're going, you need to know culturally what is an understandable way to dress that doesn't make you stand out. For example, let's just use Western Europe for an example and the Middle East. You don't, people over there do not wear hats. So this is an American thing, you know. Um, yeah, I baseball my, cap wherever you go. Yeah, I have my baseball cap that says C-SPAN on it, and I've got a couple other things. Listen, when you're traveling, your clothing should be nondescript, and it should be relevant to where you're traveling to. Another issue, people do not, in those over in Middle East or Western Europe generally, walk around in sneakers. Sneakers, tennis shoes, whatever you want to call them, are used at the gym for working out, and they wear regular shoes the rest of the time. So your footwear gives you away also. You have to think about that. Yeah, there are a lot uh, of people in countries about, that look up, they start looking at you from the bottom up sometimes. Look at your shoes first, and, right? And, yeah, so the, the clothing that you bring has to be nondescript. For example, um, I was in Vienna, Austria last year. A very safe place, by the way. Austria is a great place to travel. Really just fantastic. And right next door is Prague, which is phenomenal. So that they're on our list of the 40 safe places. But the thing about Austria was that, you know, I made sure when I packed and when my wife packed, we were relatively nondescript. Well, my wife, uh, you know, she she uh, likes to dress nicely. And I told her, I said, you got to keep it modest. I said, you don't want to stand out. And so, you know, she she was not happy with that, but she understood the purpose of it. So we, we packed accordingly, and there were a lot of things that I had to look at and say, nope, that's too American. And we blended in. We, we blended in, and nobody bothered us, and that was the key. You know, it's not about you. It's not about your ego. It's about what provides safety so that you can just enjoy yourself if you're on vacation. If you're on a business trip, that's something completely different, but at the same time, Again, clothing is, is key, what you're going to wear from your foot all the way up to your head. Yeah. Um, so that's very, very important. That was great points, Dale. So one, is, one thing I wanted to bring up with you is the off-duty operator, the concept of the clothing that you know, 511 Tactical or some other related companies that are outdoor-ish, um, very functional, great pockets, yeah. You know, so if yeah. you're concealed carry or if you got some 
some wallets that you want to add somewhere else or whatever it is, a key for something. And you're not going to have a ball cap that has the Fort Bragg 5K written on the back of yeah. it. Um, yeah. So the military, for the military folks listening, the military has some descriptions of what those items, what that attire would be. Are, are you recommending just throw that out the window and get into a country and buy local clothing or buy the, what is the nondescript khakis? No, you don't khakis? have to buy a local clothing. You don't have to buy local clothing, but the pocket pants, that is not something people generally wear overseas. It'll make you stand out. Yeah. And yes, I love cargo pants and uh, civilian BDUs that allow you uh, all those pockets, but it makes you stand out. Yeah. Now, if you don't care, that's your business. But if you want to travel safely, you just, you don't want to stand out like that. Okay. And, uh, and by the way, nobody's buying that you're Canadian. So <laughs> please don't try that either. But, you know, I, I think that you have to, you have to do some homework and that's where the ego comes into play because I've got guys, men and women who say, Oh yeah, I've traveled a lot. And I'm well healed as a traveler. Okay. Well, can't you learn something new? Yeah, I'll listen. Okay. Because those people aren't going to apply anything. Uh, it's like the guy that speeds past you on an icy road. And then a couple miles down the road, you come around the corner and he's flipped upside down on the side of the road. Yeah. You know, uh, ego is what is going to get you hurt and or your family. You've got to humble yourself and say, what can I learn? I mean, I, I've done this. I've been trained by the best in the world, man. I mean, really, I've been just really blessed in that regard. And uh, same with you, John. Yeah. But guess what? I still learn. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Absolutely. Uh, because I have, you know, I was trained on the M16. Now I'm learning how to use an M4. Mm-hmm. It's not a big leap, but it's different. I have to humble myself and say, okay, these people know this weapon because I don't know this weapon. I know the M16. Right. So, uh, humble experts. You've been listening to the 1CA podcast and our interview with Mr. Dale Yeager. When we come back, we'll ask Dale about the importance of culture and other tips to keep you safe when traveling abroad. We're looking for a few good men and women to assist with 1CA. Help us to record interviews. Heck, if I can do it, then anyone can. At least that's what my wife says. It doesn't take much. Just find an interesting person, prepare some questions, set your smartphone to record and have a conversation. And you may be famous. Think about all the lines you're going to skip outside of busy nightclubs. Or the easy access to scan groceries without needing assistance from a store manager whenever the machine breaks down or doesn't recognize the weight of bananas that you've moved into your own bag. All of that and more may be possible when you're working on the 1C8 podcast. If you're interested, then please send us an email at capodcasting at gmail.com. As a side note, I should say that producing episodes for 1CA has none of the benefits I just mentioned. But you would meet very smart people, learn more about civil affairs, and maybe, just maybe, become a media mogul. So please email us at capodcasting at gmail.com. Thanks. Welcome back to the 1CA Podcast. I'm your host, John McElligot. We continue the conversation with Mr. Dale Yeager of Sarah.
on this focus of your person, you as a person. Okay, so we had the medical issues, we had the dress, clothing you're going to wear. Next is you have to understand culture of where you're going. Let me give you an example. So in the Middle East, people do not generally have the same concept of personal space as Americans. I'm saying that facetiously, by the way. Yeah. Um, It is very common to be pushed against, brushed against. It's just it's just nature of the beast. Same in Asia. There is this kind of closeness and there's an old Arab saying, do not forsake uh, a stranger the smell of your breath. I'm sure I'm butchering that, but you get the concept. Mm -hmm. So you have got to understand the culture you're going into so you don't get offended or you you look annoyed because you're you're communicating with people by your body language and your facial expressions. It doesn't have to be words. Um, And you've got to be able to be comfortable in that. That's the beauty of intelligence people and the training they get, they learn how to blend into those cultures. The other issue besides language is, uh, culture is language. So, for example, in in Spain and parts of Portugal, Castilian uh, Spanish is spoken. The kind of stuff you learned in high school, Spanish class back in the day. Right. And that is very different than what is spoken in Central and South America. Uh, it's very different Spanish. And there are different forms of Spanish. So there are different forms of language in Europe and the Middle East. For example, in uh, uh, over in uh, in Austria, they speak Viennese, which is like a, a very modified version of German. And they don't like Germans. Austrians and Germans don't generally get along. You have to know that. So when you're going to come in there and speak uh, German, to them, that's going to be a problem because they speak Viennese and they like their Viennese. So you you need to understand those cultural issues. In Africa, uh, Swahili is a very common language. It's fairly simple to learn. Uh, most countries in South in in Africa, uh, people know Swahili, uh, but they also know English. So because of colonialism and all that. So you need to know those language issues. And then tied to all of that, culture and language, is insulting people. So, for example, when you do the OK sign, in a lot of cultures that means a-hole. You're insulting someone. Flipping your thumb up, thumbs up, in some cultures means up your, you know, uh, keister. You need to understand that certain things are offensive to people in Latin countries in South Central America, you don't touch a young girl on the shoulder. Just like, hey, how are you doing? You know, you don't touch them unless you're a family member or a close friend. In Asia, you don't touch a a young child on the top of the head. Uh, You have to know these things. You have to know these cultural things so that you don't stand out. You know, when you're traveling, you've got to do your homework and you've got to use good sourcing. So. Dale, how do you uh, carry yourself? How would a person, especially if they had military experience, there's a tendency that even regardless of the clothing that you're wearing, there's a way that you may carry yourself with your shoulders and your head up that will kind of give it away that, oh, he's a person who's military trained or oh, maybe American. Or are there ways that Americans walk on a street that other people don't? 
Um, and how would you change the way that you carry yourself to blend in? Well, I would say when you're walking, just uh, walk as if you are minding your own business. That's the key. And, and keep your conversations to a minimum and keep your voice low. Use your inside voice outside. It doesn't matter if you have good posture or not. That doesn't affect anybody. What, okay. what you do want to do, though, is, is don't be loud. Uh, don't be gregarious. Don't point. Just keep to yourselves. Mind your own business. Be polite. Be low key. You know that kind of thing. Right. Um, you can ex- you can be a little more expressive when you're in a tourist area. That's different because that's expected. That kind of behavior because you can have multiple people from different areas. But um, you'll notice, you know, when you're overseas. Two groups of people get a lot of negative response from any country you go to. These two groups of people are gathered together as a group uh, in, in two different groups, and they're being tourists. They get a lot of negative response from from the uh, native people, and that's Japanese and Russians. In fact, when we were in Vienna last year, my wife, we were in the Schönbrunn Castle, um, and uh, my wife said, Who, why are those people yelling at each other? And I said, they're not yelling. They're Russian. They're talking. Yeah. She says, don't they have an inside voice? I go, no, that's their voice. And they were bad people. I mean, it's just that they were talking very loudly inside what is basically a museum. Yeah. So, um, again, just be low-key. Keep your conversations quiet. And just enjoy yourself. Again, if you're in a tourist area, you can kind of expand that a little bit. Okay. You know, discussion I, I wanted to um, ask you where people could go to follow the company to get more information about Seraph and um, 
if they are a potential client, where they can go to contact you? My email is very simple. It's dale, D-A-L-E, at serif.net. And uh, we have a website, serif.net, S-E-R-A-P-H.net. We're pretty easy to find on Google. And the last thing I would say to you is get to know the STEP program, by the way. Uh, that is the State Department Safe Traveler Enrollment Program. Yes. S-T-E-P. Please, I beg of you, uh, when you travel, even if it's on government business, sign up for STEP. Literally, it will save your life. It's yeah. free. It takes five minutes. Please, please make that a routine. When I went to Canada last year, uh, I had to speak at the FBI conference. I signed up for STEP. Uh, so anytime you leave the country, sign up for STEP. But, uh, but getting a hold of us, just put in Dale Yeager in Google and you'll find serif.net. Uh, so exactly. thank you. Dale, thank you very much for being here. Uh, Serif provides legal liability and security problem solving for the education, legal, business, law enforcement, and government communities. You've been doing this for the last 20 years. Congratulations on 20-year anniversary. And if people have more questions, uh, they can email Dale. Go online to uh, serif.net. There's also another website, uh, which is uh, serifproblemsolving.com. So check out their information, check out the Twitter feed with free information about travel tips. And uh, if you ever want to know a lot more about Dale's background, uh, his bio and everything is online. It's quite extensive and the company he's been leading for the last 20 years is amazing. Dale Yeager, thank you very much for being on the One CA Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of One CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.